Welcome to the sermon for Sunday the 22nd of November 2020. Uh, My name's the Reverend Paul Sunderland. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, may these words from my mouth and this meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Amen. Sheep, lambs, even goats are to push. Don't you just love them? Don't you just want to give them a big cuddle? The cheeky little faces and the fluffy wool. I just love them. Okay, so it's at this point that I'm really thankful that I can't see the look on your faces. But sheep have been an important part of our landscape for many years. And sheep play a prominent part in many Bible stories. There are sheep at the birth of Jesus and sheep play a part in all our readings from this morning. I love sheep so much that when I had the opportunity to visit a farm just before lockdown, I jumped at the opportunity. Driving up the farm track, I could see the Swaledale sheep, hundreds of them, thousands maybe, all gathered in a field by the farm buildings. The noise was deafening, even from the road. Now, as I continued to drive up the track, I could hear the newly washed car being splattered with mud and muck. Not faced by this, I jumped out of the car and walked purposefully over to the two farmers who, at that moment, were busy pushing individual sheep into the sheep dip tank. For those of you who don't know what this is, Picture an outdoor concrete bath. No, not a jacuzzi, not something filled with warm, soapy bubble bath, but filled with a cold, very smelly chemical bath, which kills bacteria and helps to keep the sheep healthy. Now, in my eagerness to see what was happening, I clearly missed the command, and it was a command, to stay back. Well... If you've ever seen a dog shaking itself when wet, picture a sheep with much more power and much more liquid. Yes, I was covered in sheep dip. Thankfully, my coat took the great deal of the liquid, but, shall we say, my beard is never likely to be infected with any bacteria. Now, it's a messy job is farming, and shepherding is both messy and hard work. It's not for the faint-hearted either. You have to select sheep, lambs, that you've known from birth to be sent to slaughter. I don't envy them that task. Now today is the festival of Christ the King. So sheep farming isn't something that you think of when you think of kings. Well, I don't. When I think of kings, I think of opulent palaces, servants, lots of money and lots of power. The ability to command armies and an expectation that the king's will will be obeyed, or else. Kings and kingdoms are a reoccurring theme in scripture and in parables. We all know what kings are, don't we? Well, maybe not. Throughout my lifetime, coins and stamps have borne the image of a woman. I've always sung, God save the queen, never God save the king. To many in today's society, me included, the monarchy is the queen. 
And however powerful some perceive her role to be, she is essentially a powerless figurehead. This is utterly unlike that which we would have encountered at the time of Christ. The figure of king in the days of Jesus would have been an all-powerful male monarch, a godlike figure whose power and reach would almost be infinite. What's the king, what the king commanded, you and I would have obeyed, or else. So it's interesting to me to learn that in ancient Israel, the language of sheep and shepherd was often applied to kingship. Ezekiel underlines this as he proclaims God's promise to search for the wounded and the straggler, as much as to judge between sheep and sheep. You see, even as they set out to follow the shepherd, some sheep just don't care whom they hurt in their search for good pasture. And then the shepherd changes from this gentle leader to an agent of justice and judgment. Perhaps that sounds a bit more like what we would expect from a king. The king of days gone by, riding on horseback into battle, slaughtering and being slaughtered, sending men to their death. One image that we see time and time again in the portraits of our kings is the regal pose. You know that pose. There is something about it that makes you know, without words, that this person is a king. Or at the very least, someone very important. And yes, that king is still present at the start of today's New Testament readings. We're told, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. This is the court of judgment the place where we will hear our own final destiny. Truly a place of awe, or maybe a place of fear and uncertainty. If we want to live in the kingdom, then Christ the King is the one who sets the standards. Christ who chooses to spend his time with the marginalised, the oppressed, the forget forgotten. Christ, who is totally committed to those whom nobody values, nobody respects. Christ, who identifies himself so completely with the least of these, that when we look at them, we know we are seeing him too. The hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick and the prisoner. These are the people who need us, not just a generalised expression of goodwill. I'm praying for you. People we probably won't feel at ease with. People we might not like. It is in these we are called to love. It is in the faces of these people we should expect to see the face of Christ. To love our King is to love what he has made. Children. Men and women, joyous, broken, hopeful or despairing. To love our neighbours is to love the one in whose image they, we, are made. And to recognise the divine image, not on stamps or coins, but in their faces, wherever we encounter them. 
St John penned a letter to believers such as you and I and he said No one has ever seen God but if we love one another God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now we at St Mary's Church strive to be a people and a place where love works and it's messy just as the shepherd and his sheep but maybe not in the same smelly, damp way as the sheep dip tank. But sometimes we have to take the leap, jump in head first and pray that we will surface, opening our eyes to see the light, clean and ready to face the world. It's still hard work, but as we look for Christ among those whom we encounter and the experiences that shape us, our challenge is to consider how We can be Christ. The Lord your God said, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. As I witnessed the shepherd in Richmond and the love of their sheep, so do we hear of God's love for his flock, for you and I. You see, there is, in essence, just one commandment, the commandment of love. And real love is no clearer than when shown through actions. And when it comes down to it, it is living lives of love that will build the kingdom of God here on earth. Thankfully, we aren't asked to decide who might be sheep or who might be goats. All we are asked to do is to carry on loving. Loving extravagantly. Loving wildly. And most importantly, loving indiscriminately. Christ our King loves you and I. And for that, I thank God. I'll finish with a short prayer. I pray that God of that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope which he has called you. Amen.